welcome back to another episode of the Game of Love podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Smith, and today I have someone very special in the studio, Jeff Lawton. He is the relationship architect, multiple best-selling author, and the facilitator and leader for men's groups around the world. Thank you so much for being here, Jeff. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. Oh, me too. Well, I'll tell the listeners, we met a few months ago at uh, an event here in Denver. End of April, yeah. With Dave Glaser. Hey, Dave. You're probably listening. Hello. (laughs) Dude. (laughs) So I brought you on the show today because you are such an incredible man. And you are a leader with mental health relationships, good, healthy relationships. You are... Your, your relationship precedes you. I, I, I was telling you that I have heard your name around town. There mm. have been so many people who have worked with you, who have been in your men's groups. They're singing your praises around Denver. Sweet. And thank you so much. You're welcome. I hear that a lot from women. Thank you. That is amazing. Yeah. You're, you're hearing from the women. Yeah. You're having success. Well, they're just delighted that their men have a place that they can go and be men, learn more about being the kind of man they want to be, and that they don't have to bear the brunt anymore, apropos Mm. of the Harper's article that your producer was talking about before we went live, that, you know, men can lean into their partner to be the you know partner lover confessor therapist and i can't tell you how many women have said oh my god thank you for giving him a place to work out his shit because i am i i need a vacation so you provide the space for men to come in and share what they're going through what they're feeling what they're thinking ask for advice so you are a mentor to them and you're you're taking a lot of the um it sounds like the the load off the the women and a load off of gosh kind of the heavy weights of mm-hmm. the unhealthy part of relationships well i mean yes to all that but i think the other thing that makes it so powerful is that it's community cuz men at least all the ones that I know and have known and myself included up until I found men's work, um, we're kind of generally tend to be lone wolves, lone rangers, keep our stuff to ourselves, try to figure out our own problems. And we do it in this echo chamber of our own mind, our own ego. And our mind and ego lies to us at least 10,000 times a day. Mm -hmm. So there's something uniquely powerful about being able to be a guy who wants to heal, a guy who wants to try, particularly nowadays, how do you do this man thing? Like, how do I be a good man? What is a good man? How do I be good with my woman if you're straight or your partner if you're not? So there's a lot of paradigm changes that lead men of 
most, you know, I'd say young men up to, you know, more senior level guys like me, they're, they're questioning everything. And so there's nothing quite so powerful as being able to sit in a room full of guys who are all interested in being the best man that they can possibly be and don't know and have to go through all that conditioning of it's not okay to admit that you don't know, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> and so to be able to have a place where you can get real and you can get authentic, you get immediate feedback from all the other men in the room about when you're not feeling authentic. You know, it's really hard to BS a room full of men. Mm. It is very difficult, unless you just happen to walk into a room full of all unconscious men. But if you're in a room of guys who are hungry to learn, hungry to grow, hungry to evolve, then if you go in there and feed a line of BS into that room, you're going to get cold on it. But we do it in a way that isn't shaming or isn't judgmental. It's just really fierce, like fiercely loving, fiercely compassionate. And not all guys know how to deal with that at first, but once, <laughs> once they get used to it, it's like, okay, it gets to be a thing yep. where we really want that kind of reflection. Because when you've been in that for a little bit, you really get how full of shit you can really be. And there's no going back. I would imagine no. once these men get a taste of it, it's a, it's a new way of life for them. Yeah. You know, there's always a percentage of guys that get uncomfortable with it. Because another thing about being human, male or female, is we're wired to grow and change. And the ego doesn't really like change. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're always in this isometric push-pull of that natural tendency of evolutionary growth and the part of our mind that wants to just, I'm good, I'm good here, you know. And uh, I think when guys come into to a setting like that, and part of the truth that they begin to need to tell themselves, much less the other men in the room, can include, I'm in a job I hate. I've been miserable in my marriage for, you know, a decade or decades. They have to, you know, once that's out of your mouth, you can't very easily put that genie back in the bottle. Mm. And so there are some guys who kind of scare themselves out of it and they will leave. But for the most part, you know, we have an amazing number of men who they're in there and going for it and moving up the different levels that we have in our community because they really get, I'd rather have brothers and community than just keep being in my own solitary echo chamber that is nothing but smoke and mirrors anyway most of the time right and you've been doing this for quite a while how many years have you been 19 19 years yeah what have you seen over the last 19 years with men coming to the group 
in regards to their transformation? I think probably, it's a great question. Initially, it seemed to be men that were really wanting to go for fellowship. I don't mean in the religious sense of it, but just, I don't have many male friends. Or the friends I have, we talk, you know, it seems like we just talk about sports, money, work, women, sex, or cars. Mm -hmm. Not that I have any objection to any of those things, but it isn't, you know, you get to a certain age, hopefully, and there's this, every man I've known, and I went through it in my early 30s, suddenly you want more of like, well, what's really meaningful? All that stuff out there is nice, but if you get aware that it can be more of a distraction rather than something that is really deepening you and giving you internal value and internal fulfillment, then they want more of that. But initially it was just, okay, I want to be able to meet other men. I want to see what it can be like to be friends with other men. How can I learn for me when I got into men's work as just a guy in a group? I didn't trust men farther than I can throw them. And I didn't, you know, I was like a total, um, what's the term? Not quite a girly man, but I was definitely much more comfortable with women. I was raised by women. So I was totally cool with my feminine side and I definitely felt safer around women. I could relate to women a lot more easily than I could with men. And so when I first really found a group of guys that were not all a-holes and that were really dealing with the same struggles I was dealing with, good man, how do I be a father? You know, being raised by women, I had two sons. So that really created an existential dilemma. Like, how the hell do I do this thing? And so when I found that there were men that were every bit as deep or interested in depth as I was, then it gave me a whole different outlook. And that just lit the passion for that. And then as the years have gone on, it's gone from kind of limiting it to how do I be happier with my career? How do I, you know, be happier in my relationship? The transformations that are happening is that men are getting their lives more aligned with their spirit, with their, with their longing. And they're getting free. Mm. And that's, that's everything. When we all want more than freedom. So beautiful. So they're coming alive. I think that's the biggest transformation I could say is we help men come back to life. Mm. And it can be horrendously inconvenient because that also means you find out where you've been lying to yourself. It means you're going to find out where you were fed a bunch of lies, not deliberately, but you know, we're, we're part of the times we grow up in. 
So undoing a lot of that old conditioning or that old set of stereotypes about how men are supposed to be, mm-hmm. that's really been evolving a lot in the work. I'd say that's probably the biggest transformation is men really learning how to fall in love with themselves more and not being so dependent on how they're being shown love or validation out here, out in the external world. Right. Because we're oriented towards that. Yep. I mean, humans are oriented that way. But men in particular, we're hardwired to perform. Mm-hmm. You know. Provide. Kill the bear. But then what do you do if your girlfriend wants you to watch The Bachelorette with her? There's no hunting that day. No. <laughs> no, not really. Oh, that is so beautiful. And what really jumped out at me just now, what you said, mm-hmm. was men loving themselves. Okay. In our society, we hear so much of that with women. It's really a lot of the talk is around women loving themselves. We don't often hear about men loving themselves. Right. And it's so, um, it, when you said that, it was really shocking to me because I was like, dang, yeah, men absolutely have to love themselves too. And we don't hear that a lot in our mainstream no. world. And in my first book, the opening line of the book is that it's a thing I learned from a mentor of mine long ago. Women, or pardon me, men are hopeless romantics pretending to be powerful people. And women are powerful people pretending to be hopeless romantics. Wow. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I agree with you 100% that, you know, we're not... I don't remember my dad or many, if any, mentors when I was a teenager or young man. They weren't going, you should love yourself. I mean, that was more kind of a growing piece of the zeitgeist in books I would read, you know, growing up in the 70s. There was self-love and the whole personal growth juggernaut really started in the early 70s. So I can remember reading about all that, but there wasn't anybody that I was aware of back then that was talking about, well, what is there to love if you're a guy, right? Besides, besides your dick. And that's kind of an inadequate bar to be setting. Right. It's, it's the dick. It's the career, you know, about, you talk about performing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so much about performing and providing. Right. Instead of your soul, your person, right. your spirit. Right. <laughs> your hopes, your dreams, all that good stuff. Yeah, and I'm really encouraged by the number of guys in their 20s and 30s that are really longing to get those missing pieces. They're they're getting at a much younger age than I figured it out that you know, I'm kind of doing all the right things, but why don't I feel more fulfilled? Why don't I feel I should feel happier? Now, I don't personally believe that the point of being alive is to be happy all the time. I think that's icing on the cake. We're here to grow and evolve, my belief. But there is 
something to be said for feeling vibrant, alive, engaged. And that's another thing that I think I know our groups really emphasize is engage, mm -hmm. be engaged. And if all your criteria for what you're going to be engaged with is what gets you more status, what gets you more, more likes or, you know, little heart icons on your Facebook feed or Instagram, all that crap that, you know, I think is taking away an important part of humanity. <laughs> but, you know, there's more to it than that. And they are really hungry to engage in the dialogue, engage in supporting other men mm -hmm. and letting yourself be supported. Absolutely. For a lot of guys, you know, including this one talking right here, that is a big, big gap to let yourself be supported, to let yourself really be celebrated and loved by other men is a big gap for many guys. Not all guys, but for many guys. So I love that we're closing that gap, which also then are going to make men better husbands, better fathers. Yep. You know, so. so beautiful. And it's so powerful that it is just men. So men are then free to share. Yeah. It's like the, the conversation is open. I found with my work with women's groups mm -hmm. leading transformational yoga retreats around the world, people always ask me, well, are, are men invited? And I'm like, no, I love men. However, to do transformational work with just women, there's so much power in that. When we can be in the divine feminine you and your men can be in their divine masculine and to have that safe space, that safe container to be, um, whatever that is, if it's happy, sad, angry, joyous, right. whatever, it's, it's very sacred that time together. It's very sacred. It's very primal and we need it. We need, I always say women need to be with women. Yeah. We need our time together. Women process differently. And we get together and we're like, you know, we want to talk about everything. And, you know, we can talk about clothes, the relationship stuff. We can, you know, we can go 8 million ways. Right. And it's therapeutic. Yeah. And men need it too. Men need time with men. They absolutely do. Because any man that might be in that situation of kind of wanting to depend on his woman to be the jack the jill of all trades to be you know the walmart of his inner development mm -hmm. um there's key parts of that that are literally impossible for a woman to fulfill yep. why because she's a woman not a man <laughs> right. And, and it, it still kind of blows my mind after all these years of doing men's work and working with, you know, way more women. You know, it's just been the last few years that more and more men have been coming into my world. But before that, it was women. And a lot of them wanting to try and understand men 
wanting to understand how their relationship could improve because their man was such an enigma. Mm. But the, the thing is, is that if you try and really think that if you're a man, that a woman is going to fully relate to everything, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I just had a brain fart. I remember what I was going to say a second ago. It's, it's amazing to me, men and women alike, the, how much there's a default of, well, she should think like me. Well, he should be thinking like I do. Right. No, it doesn't <laughs> happen. And the sooner people really get that, life begins to get at least a little bit easier. Definitely. So it, it's amazing to really discover how men, like a lot of women will say, I don't think my guy has feelings. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, not true. We have generally been conditioned to keep them to ourselves. But there's a reason why, at least in terms of publishing, so much of the greatest poetry ever written, including romantic poetry, <laughs> was written by men. That's right. Right? And that's why I love that quote I said a little bit ago, is because we really are deeply romantic. Yes. And I think we just need a little help around how to be able to really embrace that yep. and how do you integrate it with the other aspects of masculinity and being manly, right. whatever that means, and to how do you turn it all into one great package. Yep. And when you were talking a minute ago about how women need women and the sacredness of a woman's circle or a men's circle, I agree completely, and something that's been coming up for me, so I'm going to ask you a question if that's okay. Um, I also see that one of the problems is the divisiveness that we have in the world right now, mm -hmm. not just in our country, but there's that divisiveness that can be there between men and women. So. I'm, I've really been thinking a lot, so I'm curious, you know, what your thoughts on this are, is, yes, you've got to have women need women, men need men, but what's available to bring them together where you're both being sourced by people of your gender, but we're all humans on this bus. Mm -hmm. And so if you're really rock solid in who you are as a man or as a woman, there's this whole other healing and growth potential that I think needs to be explored around how we work better together as a team to help heal humanity. Because it just tends, in my opinion, it tends to get too polarizing. Women are women, men are men, we kind of need each other. And mm -hmm. if you're heterosexual, you also like to have sex with each other. So there's all that, but there's bigger fish to fry. So I'm curious, you know, because you, you do a lot with women and have for a long time. What, what do you think about all that? I love where your head's at. 
and it's like, okay, us women are going to be over here working. The men are going to be over there working. And then now let's come together. And one of the, a big thing that comes up when talking about men and women mm-hmm. is the masculine and the feminine yeah. as energies, not as genders, not as sex, right. but as energy. And that is something that I bring into my life and in my work that it's that the yin and the yang. Yeah. The the white part is in the black and the black part is in the white. There's pieces. Yep. So I say that men and women are equal but different. Yep. Equal but different. Absolutely. We come to the table as equals in humanity. We just have different strengths. Now, breaking that down further, that yin and the yang, the masculine and the feminine, that's we ourselves are the yin and the yang. We have masculine energy and feminine energy. And I think it's really beautiful for individuals to play with that. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you show up as mas- as the masculine in your life? Well, you know, as if I'm talking to a woman, she might say, well, I'm very much masculine when I'm in the boardroom. Right. When, you know, I'm presenting a, a case or... You know, in their careers, they're showing up very masculine. Okay. Well, where, where are you showing up very feminine? So I think it's really interesting that we play with that energy so we can see how we show up. And another cool exercise I will give people is looking at it when you're having sex. Like Mm -hmm. that's a great place, especially, um, it doesn't have to be heterosexual relationships. It can be, um, you know we all have the masculine and feminine and in the bedroom, how we show up. And that's beautiful because we can see, Oh, that person is very much in control right now. They are very much masculine and that could be the man or the woman. Yep. So I encourage people to examine that Mm -hmm. and also play with it and see, well, I would say right now, generalizing that a lot of women in society are showing up in relationships in their masculine. Yep. More often than not. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women, hundreds of women have come to me over the years saying, help me with that. I I have these... You mean the shift out of that? The shift out of that, yes. Yeah. They say, I want to be feminine, I want to be sexy, and I want to kick ass in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. So playing with those energies is, is big. And so going back to your question, I think that's a beautiful, um, baby step getting there is playing with that masculine and feminine and, and understanding and knowing the benefits of both of those energies. So then when we come together as, as man, woman, or woman, woman, man, man, whatever Mm -hmm. the dynamic is Mm -hmm. that we're coming together as that yin and the yang. Yep. And I think that is a great, like I said, a baby step getting there because you're right. We definitely need to get to a place that we can all be in a room together and we have a safe space to be together. Right. Right. And that we can talk about big issues. Well, and I think that that whole issue of the duality of those two energies is one of the areas that men can get really confused or that maybe a lot of guys haven't even really explored Mm -hmm. and you know in relationships 
a lot of problems can arise when you were talking about the woman, the women who want to be able to shift out of the masculine in certain contexts, then guys need, you know, my experience has been that a lot of women thrive more in the corporate environment, if they're in that, or in business, and then they come home and they don't know how to change clothes, mm -hmm. so to speak. But a lot of women, in my experience, bring that masculine energy home because their man, if they're with a man, isn't bringing his masculine. Ooh, yes. yes. Right? A huge issue. Where and, and I think that's probably more of an issue these days because of all the societal cultural shifts that are happening, the Me Too, everything that the Me Too movement and Time's Up has, you know, brought to the surface, all of which I think needed to be brought to the surface. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of healing needed in that arena. Yes. But now you've got women who aren't quite sure how powerful, how much of their own power can they reclaim without being too masculine. Mm -hmm. And you've got guys that are scared to death about how to be with women mm -hmm. so that they don't get arrested or they don't get, you know, all that stuff. Yes. So they, they can err on the side of being not masculine enough Mm -hmm. so that that polarity that we need between the two for there to be magnetism, That's right. that isn't there. And then all the women I've ever worked with who have men in that boat, they're, they can be compassionate, but they're also, they tend to get really resentful of their men if their men are too feminine dominant. That's right. It's like, okay, I can't, you know, I've got to do everything around here. Right. And I've got to be wearing the pants. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of those guys will end up being men who are, they can kind of feel, all right, I don't feel very powerful in here. Or I can feel that my woman is getting to be resentful. And they're genuinely, they can be genuinely confused about, I want, I want a man not a boy. Right. And that's one of the shadow sides of men that, and again, I'm a recovering nice guy. There's a book called No More Mr. Nice Guy that I think every man ought to read. And I don't re necessarily recommend that women read it because sometimes, every time I talk to a woman and I say, all right, I've recommended to your partner that they read this book. And either they've heard about it or they go read it and they go, oh, so now you're going to teach my man how to be more of an asshole. Great. Right. Thanks, Jeff. Just, yeah, exactly. It's much better right. if you read that book and you recognize yourself in it. That's right. And this is where men's groups also can really come in handy because I learned more about being a man in my 40s up to now by being with a diversity of men. Mm. I didn't know how to really do it. At least not, I didn't believe I knew. And you recognize yourself. Then start changing the behavior.
Yes. Learn what your variety of masculine is, because not every man or woman has the exact, you know, we're not cookie cutter energy machines. Right. So you've got to learn as a man, what is your masculine? They're biological elements mm -hmm. that clearly, to your earlier point about equal but different, well, that's biology. That is. Also, we are these social, cultural animals, mm -hmm. and all the rules are changing. So if you're a nice guy, and you're essentially becoming roommates mm -hmm. with occasional benefits, then what you want to do when you find yourself in that situation is you want to be able, which takes some balls, given, again, how a lot of men tend to be conditioned and trained, to ask your woman, or your partner if you're in a gay relationship, but ask your partner, what kind of man do you experience me as? Oof. Wow. You know, now, I know for me, when I was younger, that would have taken way more huevos than I had accessible to me at the time. But it, it's those, and this is true of relationship in general, a lot of the biggest issues in relationship that I keep running into with people I work with is they won't communicate the frightening stuff. They mm -hmm. want to keep it safe. If you're a nice guy, God help you, then you're going to be communicating what you think you can get away with without pissing off your partner. But in the process of doing that, you chip away a little bit more of yourself. Mm. And a lot of men don't think that their women pick up on that. And I'm sure there are some who don't. But if I've learned anything in 37 years of marriage, it's that every time I thought I could pull one over on my wife or she wasn't seeing something about me, she was seeing it way before I was. <laughs> Honey, I had this amazing breakthrough. I finally figured out. Da, 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 da. And she's like, uh, finally. Yeah. yeah. Finally. She was never rude enough to say finally. But, <laughs> but she definitely was like, yeah, I knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, guest slaps forehead with palm of hand. Um, <laughs> so, it, if you're willing to ask a question like that, and as I mentioned earlier, I think that's also an enormous benefit to a men's group or a women's group, depending on which gender you are, is if it's a group that's committed to the truth in, in The Evolving Man, which is the name of our men's organization, our one thing that we put up on the whiteboard of the room we meet at in Denver, and I say it in Boulder because we don't have a whiteboard in that room, um, tell the truth. Mm. Tell the truth. And the flip side of that, um, like a few good men, you know, if you can't handle the truth, okay, so if you're going to ask for it, you really have to be ready to hear it. 
It doesn't mean that your partner's truth is the absolute truth. It's their truth. It's their experience. Right. And if you're smart, man or woman, if you're in a relationship, if you're smart, you want to know ongoingly, at least periodically, what is your partner's experience of you? Because mm -hmm. we're all kind of inherently narcissistic to varying degrees. We're certainly self-referential a lot of the time. So we think, I thought, my wife was experiencing me the way I was experiencing me. <laughs> no, not often the case. And, you know, thank God, a lot of times I was experiencing me as way less of a man than she was experiencing me, mm. which is really one of the greatest gifts my wife has given me in all these years is helping me see the man that I am, the man I can still grow into, and giving me great feedback. But a lot of people are afraid to get that kind of feedback. So if you're in that housemates, roommate kind of situation, you can take it to the bank that there's probably an imbalance of that masculine and feminine. There's some issue there. And you can probably also take it to the bank that there's all kinds of uncommunicated stuff mm -hmm. that both of you have been holding back. Both of you have different levels of fear or different targets of the fear that you're honoring over the intimacy that comes with being willing to throw it all on the line and be authentic with each other. Oh, that was so good. Wow. Whew. Thank you for that. That was great. Okay, Jeff, I am really curious. Mm -hmm. All these men that you work with, that you mentor, you lead, a lot of them are probably single men. A lot of them. And I want to say, too, that I have a partner in the business. I founded the, the groups and the work. And I have a great partner named Mark Johnson who leads half the groups and because there are too many for me to lead. And he's brought an enormous amount in too. So he actually tends to get a lot more of the single guys. Okay. But I'm getting more single guys in Boulder, which is where my groups tend to be. So, Carrie, I just want to make sure that I'm acknowledging that this is not all me. Okay. Well, shout out to Mark and all the work that he is, is doing in the world. We, we thank you, Mark. So these men that are showing up in the group, these single men that are showing up in the group, right. what are some of their biggest challenges that they're facing in the dating world right now? Well, I think a very generational specific issue that... I never had to deal with when I was dating because when I was dating, so we're talking 38 years ago was the last date I went on as a single man. Um, but you actually had to, you know, be with a woman in person, right? Mm -hmm. You had to, you had to meet in person. You actually, what a novel out. idea. I know <laughs> it's amazing. You know, when we were at Glazer's event and you were talking about the tech station ship. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like, oh my God, that is the end of Western civilization. Right. I actually did an episode, a whole episode on that, on the tech station ship. Oh, and... I got to listen to that. 
But, you know, one of the biggest things is how do I meet women? Mm. And um, with, you know, Tinder, Hinge, all these apps that are like Greek to me, a big question that comes up with a lot of these guys is how do I, how do I know which one? You know, I can see a physical attraction, I can feel a sexual attraction, but how do you, like, how do you really start to get to know someone? So that's one challenge. Another challenge I hear a lot with both men and younger women, single women that I work with, is how, how do you really know what to ask? How do you know, I think I know what I want, but the other thing that comes up related to all this that I name as an issue is people seem, and oh my God, I sound like my grandfather now, but it's <laughs> kind of like, you know, back when I was young, <laughs> I went we through walked. the snow <laughs> and was, yeah, looking for love. Um, <laughs> So the thing is, is that we're such a quick, you know, mm -hmm. probably the greatest disservice MTV ever did was conditioning people for jump cuts of visuals and everything has to move fast. And so I can't tell you how many men and women I have talked to who say, well, I went on this date and I pretty much knew in the first hour he wasn't the one or she wasn't the one, right? Mm -hmm. The one. Mm -hmm. And what I have been telling people for a while now is number one, when you meet the one, you're not going to know it right away, most likely. Sometimes you do. I, I can count on half of one hand the number of people I've known in my lifetime for whom that was true. But really, when you go out on a date, what I tell people now, you really only need to be focused on one thing. Do you want another one? Mm. That's a great question. I mean, that should be your only agenda. Mm -hmm. is, is there enough interest that you'd like to have another date? And that seems like such a basic question, but so many people struggle with it. I see it every day. I'll yeah. ask somebody, well, do you want to see them again? Well, you know, they they were a very nice man. He he checked a lot of boxes. Oh, she was attractive. And even just answering that can be very difficult for people. Right, right. Well, and I think that's partially because of the hurry that people mm -hmm. seem to be in because mm -hmm. any great relationship is worth doing the legwork and the due diligence with yourself as well as with the other person because a lot of people don't particularly younger people <laughs> younger people i think they genuinely don't know i didn't when i was young either i thought i knew what i wanted mm -hmm. and i ended up marrying somebody that fit very few of those pictures because you can't engineer love, mm. right? You just can't. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when my wife and I met, 
I thought she was nice. She, I think she thought I was, you know, a nice guy in the generic sense of that term. And I didn't, I wasn't attracted to her in that way right away. But life brought circumstances together where I got to know her more and vice versa. And neither of us were looking for a relationship. Mm, interesting. She had just been divorced, so she was still kind of healing from her divorce. I had just started a new relationship, which already had signs of not being very good, but, you know, I was technically taken. So neither of us were looking for a partner. And as we got to know each other, and this is what I think is missing a lot now, is people try to jump to conclusions too quick mm. and one thing i'm sure that has not changed is when you're on a first date you're completely full of shit you're looking <laughs> at presenting the best you know I, i'm i am wonderful i am you, wonderful you definitely want me right exactly <laughs> so there ain't no truth happening for the most part in my opinion on those initial first or second date. So guys that are younger that are in our groups, they don't know how to navigate that. They do have an issue of what do I really want? Um, what are the kinds of questions that I should be asking? Mm -hmm. And when should I ask them? And then the whole hookup culture that's there, um, that may have been there when I was that age. I just wasn't one of those type of guys. So how to differentiate raw attraction from compatibility? Ooh, very nice. That, that is a, that's a big issue. Mm-hmm. Cause people get caught up in that, that, yeah. that sexual attraction. Woo. That takes hold and that can cloud a lot of judgment. Yeah, it does. And again, at the risk of sounding like my grandfather, I, when, if people say, like, what's one piece of advice that you would give a single man or woman these days? I say, slow. Mm. Mm. Don't be in a hurry. Because if you're in a hurry, that means to some degree or another, you are looking for a relationship to fill the hole in your own soul. Mm. You're looking for an external plug-in that's going to make you feel better about yourself. And a relationship that's based on that is screwed from the very get-go. It's just going to be a matter of time before you figure that out. Right. Because on the flip side of that, when a person is content, their, their soul is satisfied, they love themselves, all that good stuff, then there's no urgency. It's just in the moment and enjoying that moment. And, right. and there isn't that, okay, well, you know, what's our relationship status? What, <laughs> when, when are we going to, are we? what are we, we need to talk. <laughs> oh what are God. we doing here? <laughs> all Words that's... of doom to every man. <laughs> right. We need to talk. <laughs> yes. So that, that doesn't exist. And to your point, then the relationship is not urgent. It, there's not a hurry to it. It's just two people courting. 
getting to know each other. Now, I would love to know, anybody listening to this, if you're single, whatever age you're at, ping Jessica and let's take a survey of how many people even know what courting means. Oh, I would love that. Uh huh. That would be like courting. Is that? Do I need an attorney? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's really almost an arcane word, isn't it? It is. I never hear that word. The last time I heard that word was from my grandmother. Oh my gosh! Well, I I love those kind of words. Yeah. I I use courting. I'll say suitors. I love that word. Oh, you are old school. I am old school. I love that. <laughs> but courting, it is such a... Well, basically what courting is, is just the process of getting to know each other. Right. Right. And that's where compatibility comes in. It, there's The first chapter of my first book is called Lust versus Compatibility. And if you don't know the difference between those two things, and one takes seconds to discern, I'm hot for you. Right. Pretty unambiguous. Mm -hmm. Compatibility takes courting. It takes time. Mm -hmm. It takes getting to know each other. But it's something that it takes getting beyond that to really learn more mm -hmm. about who are you really engaging with and what are the aspects of their life that aren't as pretty, quote-unquote, as their beauty or their sexual heat meter for you. What is the... Who is this person? And... Your average bear, male or female, is somebody these days, I think, that is going to be very cautious about letting that out. And if you've had more than one relationship, you've already been hurt. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to avoid getting hurt. That's right. And so letting the soft underbelly show is not going to be something that your average person is willing to... On date three, okay, here it is. <laughs> this is all my crap. Right. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. It doesn't tend to work that way. No. And I would imagine for men, it's much harder to get to that place, yeah. to show that underbelly, to show the vulnerabilities. Something that we were talking about as soon as you came into the studio today, we were laughing about... We were talking about feelings, yeah. and uh, we said, oh, m men have feelings? <laughs> we were laughing at that. Yeah. That uh, there are a lot of things in our society that are stereotypical and that are hindering our relationships because we're telling men that they don't have feelings. They, <laughs> they just don't exist. Right. You, you don't have insecurities. <laughs> you, you don't get broken hearted, you, uh, you know? Right. There's, there's so much out there that needs healing and trans needs transformation. Yeah. One of the most important things for that healing and transformation to happen that you're referring to, again, 
men are deep, deep, deep feeling machines. And we're not really machines, but we've been enculturated to believe that we are or we should be. One of the things that is really, that confirms how the emotional life of men really is, is the suicide rate among men is astronomically higher than the suicide rate for women. Mm. And in a study I read when I was writing my second book, the study showed that a huge percentage of the male suicides came after the end of a relationship. Oh. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying that to, you know, <laughs> scare women. You're not responsible for any other human being's state of mind being whatever. Mm -hmm. But it is to say that the guy that you might be with who is doing his best to make it seem like everything is okay, that may not necessarily be the truth. Mm. And one of the other things that gets really difficult for men in heterosexual relationships is kind of going to masculine and feminine energy as well as gender stereotypes. A lot of women want a strong man. Mm-hmm. But women also can have a bias about how an emotional man isn't strong. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. I've run into more than a few couples in my coaching practice where the woman says, I want to, you know, I want to feel you. I want to know what you're feeling. And if the guy says, well, all right, to be honest, I'm really insecure. Well, what's the matter with you? Ooh. Right. And that's something that also goes back to how a lot of mothers raise their sons. Mm. Right. That is a tricky, he probably even predates Oedipus, but mm -hmm. it is a sticky wicket, mm -hmm. that dynamic between boys and their moms. And so, you know, you'll have some moms that in essence, kind of can condition a boy to be equivalent to a snowflake. Mm -hmm. Or she wants to toughen him up. And so, you know, I can, I was a crier. I, you know, I was really, really sensitive as a kid. And, you know, the common thing was stop crying. Mm -hmm. So what kind of message does that give? when you get that all through your formative years. Right. And then of course, by the time you're in school, middle school, high school, for sure, then that kind of stuff, you're gonna be viewed as a pussy if you're too emotional or too sensitive. Right. That's a human being. Mm -hmm. Every human being has sensitivity. But that's just another little wrinkle that can be distinct for men than it might be for women. I know women and their mothers, that's also a sticky wicket. But, you know, when you're your first woman that teaches you anything is your mom. And God only knows how she relates to men, how she's relating to your father if he's in the picture, blah, blah, blah. 
So it really, this is why I'm really delighted that we're having this conversation and that more of these conversations are happening on a broader level because we grossly misunderstand each other. That's right. And the only way to peace, harmony, and healing, and more love, which is really, for me, the name of the game, mm -hmm. we need more love. Yep. Period. So we have to be able to get through the personas and the facades and all that kind of stuff. And that happens when you get to experience a safe place mm -hmm. to be open. That's right. I shared with you before when we've had a conversation that several years ago, I did a market research study mm -hmm. that I interviewed a hundred single men to find out their feelings and attitude towards love, dating and relationships. And I walked into that, um, very much in my masculine <laughs> and I went in, I'm like, I'm going to go behind the scenes. I'm going to find out what's going on. I'm going to take this information, take it back to the women and we're going to understand men. And what happened was I walked in to this and was completely transformed. All these men from 21 to 60 professional athletes, CEOs, executives, veterans, real estate agents, yoga instructors, my own, one of my brothers, men that I had been in relationships with, sitting down with them and just asking questions. Suddenly I was like, oh my gosh, they have insecurities. This, this, this man that I had dated and I had been crazy over and I was just like, he's an asshole. I don't understand him. All of a sudden I'm like, oh shit. He's just been insecure through our relationship. Mm -hmm. He didn't know how to communicate with me. And then I got pissed off. Eye-opening. I was sitting there with my brother, interviewing him. And I asked him a question. I asked him the question, what do women not know or not understand about men? He sat there, paused for a moment and said, that we have feelings, that we have insecurities. And hearing my brother, mm. I mean, he, I changed his diaper. I helped raise him. I played with him. And this was new news to me. Mm -hmm. To see the vulnerability come out of him, it, it completely changed my world. Yeah. And seeing that and witnessing that, I took that into my dating life. I was calling guys that I had dated or that I were dating. I was apologizing. Mm. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize when I did this, it was affecting you like that. Yeah. And so I want to bring that into the conversation that I really encourage the female listeners to get really interested in the men that you're dating, the men in your life, the men that you're passing on the street. They are humans. <laughs> <laughs> they are humans. Learn the person not the gender. That's right. Oh, that was beautiful. Exactly. I have nothing more. Jeff. That's a great way to end this interview. <laughs> you are a remarkable man. And I've been around the world. I've met thousands of people. You, when I met you, had such an impact on me. And I 
just, I'm almost speechless because there's so much vitality and wisdom and love that permeates from you. And I have so much gratitude and respect for the work that you are doing in the world and the work that you've done in the world and the work that you will continue to do. You are amazing. And thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. I would highly encourage all of my listeners to reach out to you. And um, Jeff, how can they get in touch with you? So if you're interested in talking or learning more about the work I do with relationships, then you can go to yourrelationshiparchitect.com and click on relationship help and that will tell you what I do there. And that also includes relationship with yourself. So I don't just work with couples. If you're a man or a woman who loves a man that thinks he might want to know more about the men's work, then you can go to theevolvingman.com and you're also welcome to email me around men's information at jeff, G-E-O-F-F, at theevolvingman.com. Great. And I do want to let them know that they do not have to be in Colorado, the Denver Boulder area. Right. You do have men's groups that are virtual that yeah. you have members around the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as long as the time zone, you know, Asia is working really, really well. But we also can be working with men in Europe or Australia because of the time difference. I can lead a group in the morning that might be evening for them. So yes, please, if you're hearing this and you're not in a city or a country where what you're hearing is very prevalent, reach out to me and let's talk about how we might be able to give you what you're needing no matter where you live. I love that. Jeff, thank you again very much. It was such a pleasure having you on and you're going to be on again. You're, we have so much oh, more to talk about. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're compiling a list for our listeners. I look forward to it. Thank you very much for the invitation and for being a phenomenal interviewer. And just it's not often that there's this back and forth. And this has really been a joy. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And thank you to everyone listening. I appreciate you showing up and I look forward to sharing more insight and wisdom that Jeff brings to the table. And until next time, get out there and love each other. Mm -hmm.